Good evening, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Intentional Guy. Today we are on, on air with Dr. Robin Wilson. I'm so happy to have you join our show today. I think you're going to bring a lot of insight to us today. So thank you for being on here. It is my pleasure. And Michael, feel free to call me Robin. I've been Robin longer than I've been doctor, but feel free to call me Robin. All right. Well, Robin, I... I I would love to engage in this, your comments of mindfulness and what that means. I think that will go very well with what the premise of our name is, Intentional Guy. So I, I just want to dive right into this, see if we could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I would love to. I think it's always helpful um, to start with what mindfulness is, right? Because it's a term we hear batted around a lot and people think, oh, it's it's these hour-long meditative states and quiet and, and really being mindful is about being present in the moment and without judgment, right? Not, not judging, not adding labels to the experience or the moment as good or bad, but it just is. Um, and I think for me also, I define it as turning off, replaying the past, right? We can get stuck right. ruminating over what we wish we had said or what we wish we had done or how we wished we had been in any given moment or situation. And I don't know about you, but I can also be guilty of like worrying about what's yet to come. Right. I am really good about playing out scenarios in my head of, you know, what I think might happen. And so we spend a lot of our brain's energy ruminating over the past or trying to predict what's going to happen in the future, which serves us well in some spaces. But in our everyday life with our friends, our families, on our jobs as leaders, um, we often miss so much because we're not fully present in the moment. And we're living on autopilot. So for yeah. me, that's how I kind of box in what mindfulness is all about. Well, that's great. I, you know, I read a book um, a year ago from Stephen Furtis called Crashing the Chatterbox. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of bad self-talk going on in my head. And I was like what you said. I was so worried about the future. I wasn't making the right choices in the present, let alone worried about what is going to happen a year from now or a month from now or even a day from now. And I, I, I literally had to live that moment by moment. I started there, but I had to be very, not to be cliche with the show, but I had to be very intentional in, in wanting to change. And a lot of that was, I was letting life lead me. I was letting, I was just going through life. Wherever it took me, it took me, blah, blah, blah. I was getting nowhere. Yeah. Once I made a change in that and realized how important the things I pour into me are, how the cho I have choices. Everything's a choice. I have a choice. Uh, but uh, I was sitting there mind mindless for a while, I think. Right. Yeah, we get to choose our mental state, right? I love that idea and the word choices. We, If we don't choose our mental state and our where we are, the world will gladly choose it for us, right? They will gladly overlay it for us. And, you know, we recognize as believers, like every new day is a gift 
right? It's yeah. a blessing. And how much of that new day do we squander? Because we're still stuck in yesterday or we're thinking about tomorrow. And here's what we all know. Tomorrow's not promised, right? So right. we spend ourselves, and scripture teaches us this, right? When I first got um, introduced to mindfulness, which I realized I probably have known about it. I just wasn't right. practicing it. Um, all along, right? It's all in the scripture. We're told, you know, to not be anxious about anything. Uh, we're told not to worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has its own worries. Um, yeah. yeah, we do it, right? Don't we do it all right. the time? We do. And I think it's, it's, we're trying to have control over something that we don't have control over. Yeah. Yeah. And, and tomorrow can change on a dime. All these things were, it could change on a dime. One thing today different could change what we're already worried about. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, what was important was trying to grasp the understanding that it, it, they teach it in the 12 step programs. You know, mm -hmm. I, I can only control the things I can control those mm -hmm. other things. It worrying about it is not helping the situation. Right. Fixating on it is in fact, it's probably acerbating the problem by mm -hmm. fixating on it because now it's keeping me from living presently and doing Right now, what I need to do and right now, what I need to do is not worry about what may or may not happen tomorrow, mm -hmm. but what steps I could take right now. And I felt like I was I was I was making decisions off of emotions rather than facts. Yeah. So I was reacting to life instead of acting to life. Right. And so mindfulness is really, you know, the stimulus. Something happens. And then there's a response, but being mindful is that space right in between, right? So something happens and I don't have to directly go to respond. I can be present in the moment and give myself an opportunity to really pause and reflect. And really, you know, if you think about a picture of just like a sea that looks really calm and you, you know, you anchor down, right? And we know who our anchor is, right? For, the, for me, right. That was the beauty of this mindfulness journey and making it a part of my practice um, is because I quickly realized it, it really helped me to deepen my access, my intentional, you know, to use your word, access to God and to that, that moment of calm and stillness that he can give me before I respond to the stimulus. If yeah. I would just stop long enough, just a few seconds to be present in the moment. Yes. And I think for some viewers, what I like them to hear too is sometimes if we don't know what that looks like or we, we're having a hard time finding it, that's where someone like you comes into play that's very helpful. Uh, I was, two years ago, we were in a bad car wreck and I had PTSD from it very bad mm -hmm. and I was on fire. I, I went, it was after the hurricane happened here. Everything was shut down. You couldn't get in. I mean, doctor's office, uh, hospitals were just taking emergencies, all this stuff. I couldn't sleep for two months. I went two months with hardly any sleep. So that, you know how that will do your psyche and stuff. Mm -hmm. It was through finding a good counselor mm -hmm. and going to a good counselor that started teaching me ways to cope with life. Yes. And a lot of it, it, it happened faster than I thought too. Mm -hmm. I thought this would have been a, a long process, but the truth was 
one, I think you have to be willing. A lot I know as a counselor, you probably get a lot of people that come in and a lot of people like to talk, but they don't like to listen and they don't like to take action and go mm-hmm. and do what needs to be done. They're kind of stuck. And they and they I I was choosing to be stuck. Mm-hmm. I, when I went to this person though, I was ready for change. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no shame in getting help from someone who can help you unstuck that because a lot of it is wrong thinking mm-hmm. that we have and that we've been trained because a lot of this i was a pastor's kid so i was grown up to, to worry about what people thought of you Absolutely. and i had all these labels that people attached to me that i attached to me that i felt god was attaching to me and you can't live that life you can't yeah. you can't meet everybody's expectation so here i was in my 50s and i never dealt with that but also some of the things sometimes we act out we have we have these things that are happening because of unresolved trauma in our life and issues and that's what one of the things that happened for me mm-hmm. but once i was able to take care of that i can't tell you the joy i have because my mind is clear and i want to say i'm perfect but i'm not but every day when I go into a situation like we're dealing with something in our family right now and I happen to remind myself, choose to be calm, Mm -hmm. choose to respond, not react to what's being done and, and, and take a moment to ask God, what do you need from me right now? What do I need to do? That's so powerful. I have a a good friend. I actually, um, I've co-authored a book with a really good friend called Journey Forward. And one of the things he always says um, in his daily journal entries is that he chooses to live in joy on purpose every day. Right. And so that that is so key, getting the supports and helps that we need. Um, One of my former staff members uh, gave me a coffee mug that says I'm fueled by coffee and Jesus. Um, And and I've seen T-shirts that say, you know, I have Jesus and a therapist. Right. That that both of those that um, we need all of the tools to help us to be the best versions of ourselves, to be fully available, to be the best vessels that um, we can for God. And. A couple of Sundays ago, I preached a sermon um, entitled Fix Your Focus. And it really was around this idea of so often, as you pointed out, we're focused on the messages from other people. We're focused on who other people have said we are. And because we have all of this noise in our head, um, it's like the CD-ROMs that we have imprinted in our head from birth, you know, all of those things. And um, my co-author does a lot of work around helping people parent intentionally. Um, and he talks about the messages that we put in our kids' heads about who they are that stick, right? Yes. And, yes. And, and when you're not mindful, you're, that CD just kicks in and it plays yes. and it sends you all those messages that really are counter to who God says we are. Um, yes. But until we get in there and do that work and take those moments, um, the thing I've loved about my mindfulness journey is I've learned about this idea of micro practices, um, that it that it doesn't 
It's not a 10 minute that literally between Zooms, um, right before I hopped on here with you, I centered myself and I, I walked myself through a practice that we do that's just called just this, where I give myself permission to just be in the moment, to feel my body, to be present and just think on this, right? Literally those two right. words um, so that I can show up in this space and get what it is that I'm supposed to receive from this encounter with Michael. Yes. I love that. And you know, I think some people, so when I went to counseling, there were some things she taught me and I was like, this is weird. <laughs> you know, I was like, this is weird because I wasn't used to it. But then I had to tell myself, well, what you're doing isn't working. So mm -hmm. are you open to, to this? Right. And I remember one of it, we had to, I had to deal with my younger self and what, and I had to talk to, because I was dealing with trauma from that, right? But I felt foolish. I'm like, I don't want to do this. But I'm going to tell you afterwards, mm -hmm. it was so powerful. Yeah. It was so simple, but so powerful. And I felt foolish at the beginning of starting it. But in the midst of it, while she was coaching me through it, it was amazing. It was amazing what God was able to do with it. And I think in order to be, you have to be willing and you have to surrender to the process. Yeah. And I love, I love the process. I love, yeah. I love processes. Yeah. And I want to ask you something. I, I, as we're talking, I'm looking here under your name, looking at living each day, faithful and unafraid. And I love that because for so many years I lived in fear. Mm -hmm. I lived in fear. Now I really lived in shame mm -hmm. and guilt were my best friends. Right. Something I learned as a, as a good pastor's kid. I carried those my whole life. Mm -hmm. And I thought I was going into counseling to deal with the trauma of this wreck and the PTSD, which I did. But then we started unraveling what makes me tick. Why do I, why am I living this way? How mm -hmm. can I, how am I stop being paralyzed by life's journey? Yeah. Right. So I would love to ask you, as listeners are listening to this, mm -hmm. what are some processes that might help them to become more unafraid, but become mm -hmm. more mindful of their everyday life and, and moving forward? Because some of them, I think, are very paralyzed right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, one of the things that has helped me besides getting counseling um, and, and you know, I am a counselor and, and people always tell you um, every counselor needs a good one, <laughs> right? Yes. Yes. Even though I have all of the tools and skills, um, I'm still blinded by my own experiences to my experiences. So um, it is it is really good to be able to go and, and let someone else walk you through those practices. Um, so I think, you know, getting the help that you need and, and it doesn't even have to be something as I can only imagine the trauma from the accident that you're in. It could be just, right? We've all lived through a collective shared trauma of the last two years. And we all had our entire ways of living and being completely upended. Um, and some of us more impacted than others, but yes. we've all been impacted. And I think um, even just working through that, like it was mindfulness 
that helped me because I went from working in person to working completely remotely, living and breathing in Zooms and boundaries got ridiculously blurred, right? I mean, right. I joke with people that it used to be you'd have a 10 o'clock meeting and you dare not schedule like the next one until maybe 1130 if it was supposed to be an hour meeting. So you had time to go refill your coffee, right? grab a potty break, um, walk to the next location. And we created this space where it was like, nope. Oh, look, you finished one meeting at 11. Let's put another one on your calendar at 11, you know? And I yep. found myself feeling fatigued and overwhelmed. And it was giving myself permission to stop, breathe deeply, recenter myself, clear my thoughts, slow down, and be okay with just taking a minute. Yes. And not clicking start on the next or join on the next meeting or teams until I was kind of decluttered from the previous 60 minutes, had a moment and moved on. So sometimes it's just that simple. Those mindfulness practices. Journaling is another great way. But I'll tell you, um, my co-author of the book we've written um, called Journey Forward. I have a hard time calling myself co-author because I feel like I did the little lift on it. I have a really good friend who... um, is an intentional parent, has done some amazing things, but he daily takes the first 14 minutes of every day to journal. But he doesn't journal about the past. He journals forward. He journals from a perspective that the visions that God has given him for his life have already come to pass. And so he writes it as if these things have already come to be. And it's been really cool to watch because some of the things have already come to be um, as he does it. But it helps him to stay more positive. It helps him to stay more um, intentional about how he moves throughout the rest of his day because he's not on that autopilot. Right. And in that journaling forward, what we did, he tells this story differently. But since I'm the guest, I get to tell it my way. Exactly. So he's been journaling probably for almost a year and he started sharing them. He emails them out to friends and family, a small group of us. And so I suggested to him that, wow, these are really powerful. They cause me to think deeply and reflect. You should put these in a book. Others should read this because I think it will help them think about how they frame each day and give them something to reflect on. And so you should put some prompts to go with it, right? The counselor in me wants people to have things to do. Um, And he said, I'll tell you what, you pick the journals and you write the prompts and I will, will make a book. And so that's what we did. But really what I've found, and now he records them in their audio version um, and they're amazing. But what I've found with them is it really does help when you're thinking forward Again, not not worrying about what's going to happen, but really projecting forward. So, you know, if God has spoken into your life, Michael, that you're supposed to speak on a national stage, right? Like if he's put that in your spirit, then every day when you get up, you journal as if you're in that moment, as if it's already happened. So giving yourself permission to dream, giving yourself permission to focus on positive things instead of letting your mind continue to ruminate on those negative things of the past. Yes. And I love that because it's, it's causing you to think positive. 
and be positive. Because let's be honest, in the last two and three years here, we have lived in a negative society. We've Absolutely. had a lot of negative things happen. We've just life-changing events. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I got off Facebook because I was arguing with people on Facebook, but I didn't even know. I was becoming negative. And that's where, honestly, God brought the wreck. It really helped me mm-hmm. because it made me recenter yeah. who, who I was. And what do you want out of life? Yeah. And I was, I found out, I was realizing once I did that self-evaluation and with help that I, w- I was not necessarily the person I had strived to be or mm-hmm. wanted to be. Yeah. I was being something else because I was not being proactive in, in that. And, and I could choose to either be negative or positive. So what I did was I got rid of all the news stations. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I, I quit watching the news. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I got off Facebook. The only th- time I'm on Facebook is to put positive things out there. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Not to, I'm not going to go read through your negative stuff if you have something negative mm-hmm. i'm not really going to pop look at that and, and because i get to choose yeah what i what i do and i know that right now i don't want that negative in me yeah you know and, yeah and when we bring mindfulness into our daily walks it, it's it's you know pun intended it's mind-blowing right because right. it really does there's so much we do every day on autopilot Yes. And a for example is our eating. We sit down and we eat and we scroll through our phones, we watch television, and we don't take time to savor the the flavors, the texture, and even to listen to our bodies when our bodies are telling us, hey, you're full. We can stop now. Right. And we live in this supersized world. That we just keep going, keep going, keep going because we're doing it mindlessly. And, you know, seven bites ago, your body said, that's good. I'm good. We can end this. And then we we don't. We clean the plate because that's also probably in many of our heads, at least of my clean your plate. We were taught that. (laughs) Right, right. And so it's this idea of if I just stop and slow down put my phone away, turn the TV off, be present with the people I'm with or by myself and just enjoy the meal. And when my body, give my body a chance to tell my brain we're full so that then I don't end up with that feeling that I've had before. Maybe not you, Michael, but of like, oh, I'm stuffed. Right. And part of where that comes from is that mindlessness or even our daily drives. Right. I've often joked that my car could get home from work by itself or I get home from work and I'm not even sure how I got there because my mind wasn't present. And so one activity I always challenge people to do after I've done a training with them on on being more mindful is on your drive home or to work or to the grocery store, somewhere you frequent often. Notice something different. Be intentional. Be mindful and notice something different. And every time I've done that, I'm like, has that always been there? And so it's it's those kind of things. Or when you're out walking the dog, right? It's easy to go into a mindless state in our day-to-day lives. Like it's so easy. 
But we're so much more enriched when we slow down, we allow ourselves to be in the moment um, and be present. We get so much more out of our relationships with people, out of our conversations. Wow. I mean, how many how many relationships with our children or our spouses could be so much better if we actually were mindfully present with them when they were talking with us? Oh, tremendously, tremendously. And that has been, let's talk about the payoff to doing this. Mm-hmm. The payoff for it is huge because it's, it's going to bring you satisfaction because you have what you're, you'll find out, you'll be able to look and see how productive you are. Right. You'll yeah. see the productive because you can't help but see that. Yeah. But then you're going to see that you're, for me, so this was my payoff. My payoff was that, mm-hmm. but then I was happier. Mm-hmm. Because I was doing the, I, I always felt inadequate to lead my family, to be the mm-hmm. leader of my family, mm-hmm. who God called me to be. Yeah. But when I took this journey, that's one of the things I wanted to be was the leader of my family. Mm-hmm. So I was mindful in doing that. And then it was amazing. The payoff for that was is the joy I got. But the other payoff is in watching how that choice I made affected my family. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you you talk about leading um, because that's been kind of the, the byproduct of my own mindfulness journey and really embedding these mindfulness practices in my day-to-day walk is I've worked with um, a collaborator and we've created a program, a leadership training program called The Engaged Leader, right? And engaged is synonymous for intentional. It's synonymous for right. mindful. It's synonymous for... Um, you know, conscious, pick a word, right? We just being there. Um, And what I realized originally when she approached me, she was thinking corporate business leaders, um, which is really important. But I think regardless of where you lead, right, whether it's on your job, if it's in your home, it's it's Mm -hmm. your church, your community. um, If you're not an engaged leader, you're not an effective leader. Yeah. So when we talk with leaders, we talk with them about kind of these three buckets to think about this engagement in. And the first one is around our self-management, right? You got to do the work on yourself. Where's your identity, right? Is your identity and all that stuff that's replaying on your head of what you're not and who you're not and that you're not good enough and you're not smart enough. Um, And I've read something the other day that was really powerful and it said, you know, we're really good to say, I'm not, I am not enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. Um, but then when we think about God who says I am, right? So then if you add those together, that every time I tell myself, I'm not smart enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not courageous enough, I'm not healed enough. God's response is I am. Right. So he doesn't expect us to be because he is, he is enough. And so when we really work on ourselves and that identity and are able to self-reflect and take care of our yeah. own well-being, then we're able to lead others better. Right. But we got to do that work first. Yeah. And I think we tend to, I know I tend to, so I, I'll say in my life, I tend to let the worst moments in my life be what defined me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and that's where this great counseling came into play. Because why am I choosing to let the worst moments of my life be what define me? Now, I, I, I would rather take 
the worst moments of my life and grow from them. Mm-hmm. But my identity is in Christ. And Christ yes. and I, I create me to be a failure. No. He created me to be a conqueror. Right. And so once I changed that mindset mm-hmm. of my identity of what, how does Christ in me? A great friend of mine asked me that several years ago. And that stuck with me. Because when, when I answered the question, I said a horrible person. I couldn't, I couldn't see past my own shame and guilt and mm-hmm. failures, right? But now, it is, it is. I can't believe it's possible that mm-hmm. I actually feel this way, yeah. that I'm really this happy, yeah. and that I see how God sees me. I think I see a glimpse of how God mm-hmm. sees right. me. Right. Yeah, and that's the beauty. Once we replace those thoughts with the other stuff we tend to ruminate on either past or trying to predict what's coming ahead when we can really allow ourselves to just stop and hear what it is that like God saying, no, you're amazing. I know you're amazing because I created you. Right. And so there's no yeah. question mark behind that. There's a, there's a solid exclamation point. I'm like I created you. I made you fearful and wonderful. So live like it, right. Yeah. Live every day, just like that. And so we really, I really have been trying to work to help leaders understand that that self work, um, which really then leads them into the next space of, you know, if you've got Michael figured out, I've got Robin figured out, you know, best I can, um, then I can move into thinking about being mindful about my interpersonal relationships. Yes. So how do I then allow my best self to show up to coach the people who are on my team at work or to lead my children, um, to lead in my ministry. How, how do I do that with intentionality and not be on autopilot that I really am listening to people, what they're saying and what they're not saying, right? That's a good thing about having a good counselor because they can hear what you're yeah. not saying too, really exactly. well. <laughs> really well. Really well. And point those things out. And really being aware of how how our lack of mindfulness can hinder our leadership, right? When we're not really present with people when they are counting on us, when they're looking to us uh, for support, for direction, for guidance. um, If we're not aware, we can't do that well. And so when we work with leaders, I really try to help them understand that first piece is that self-work, but then it really is thinking about what you do intentionally with those you lead. I, I share a story, um, if you don't mind, of like a former leader that I worked under who I thought was an amazing, amazing God-fearing man. Um, he was an amazing father and husband, someone I deeply respected and admired him as a leader. And as our team grew, um, we had a number of younger folks on our team. And he asked me one day, my, my, my boss said, I've noticed lots of people are like sending late night emails. What's that about? And he was like, I don't understand why they're up emailing and on their work, doing work at 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. And I said, well, you started that. And he said, well, what do you mean? And I said, you're really good about sending emails at 10, 11 o'clock at night. And so people are responding. And he said, but that's not my intent. I said, it's not your intent, but it's the outcome. 
right? Because he's right. on autopilot. And what we all knew about him, he had he and his wife had five daughters. So when he left work, he went home and was fully present with the six women in his life. I think right. even their dog was a girl. Um, but he was fully <laughs> present with them. And then once everyone was tucked away in bed, then he'd hop back on the computer and he'd do emails and do some work, you know, for about an hour before he went to bed. And I said, but what they think you want is that you want responses when these emails are going out. I said, that's the difference between being an intentional leader and recognizing the culture you're setting and being on autopilot. And so his mind was blown. And he said, well, I could just set a timer that they don't send until the next morning. Right. There you go. That's and sure story. enough, he did that. And the emails late at night among our team dropped back down. Right. But as leaders, if we're not taking time to pause and reflect and be mindful how every single action, whether it be leading in our homes, leading in our churches, leading in our communities, every single action has impact, even if it's not our intent. And so when you're living mindfully, you're really anchoring into what is going to be the impact of what I do or say. Yes. And I love that because it's, you have to self-evaluate why, why you're doing what you're doing. How, like you said, other people, relationships, mm-hmm. relationships to me are so important. Now. Yeah. They, I thought they were before, but they really weren't. Mm-hmm. It, it was once I went through all this that I realized that I, like I have friends and it drives me crazy because one friend's like, you never like anything on Facebook. You never like anything I say on Facebook. I'm not on Facebook that much. It looks like I am, but I'm not really. But then I'm like, but are you listening to what they're saying? Because these are, this is a friend who's very close to me and they just, they want just a little bit of my undivided attention, maybe right? to know that, that my relationship with them is important. It wasn't about whether I liked something on Facebook or not. It was, you know, my friend needed something from Mm -hmm. me. And I've learned that now I'm listening more to people Mm -hmm. because you said it a minute ago. It's sometimes it's what people don't say that you have to listen to as well. Yeah. And so for me, I have stepped into that role now of seeing how important that is for me. If I, I value these relationships, then I need to look at how I'm affecting them and what mm-hmm. can I change different about mm-hmm. it. I thought I was a compassionate, non-judgmental person. After going through this awakening, if you'll call it or whatever, yeah, I found out I was the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. And that was a hard pill to swallow. But I had to acknowledge that because that was the only way I could fix it yeah. and change it. And uh, wise guy, t- I, I used to work in the prison system. I was a teacher and helped guys before they got out of prison. They had to go through me. Mm-hmm. And I remember one day, it, it, and it was a very rewarding job, but a very frustrating job too. And I remember one guy came to me and he told me, he said, when do you think a man's ready for change? And I said, well, when he's hit bottom mm-hmm. and he's, you know, and everything's has collapsed on him. He said, well, no, actually. And I was like, well, then what? He said, a man is ready for change 
when he's ready and not a moment sooner. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, you know, because it is, everything comes back to that. Am I ready for this to happen? I, you know, I was in my fifties before I had this awakening that I wish I would have had when I was 19 years old, but I didn't, but yeah. I took everything that God gave me and used mm -hmm. those, those gifts to find out where I was. And I'm so thankful that I was able to discover it. Yeah. And change it because now everything in my life has changed. Mm -hmm. Everything. Yeah. And for the better. Yeah. No, when I've, I, you know, I have discovered just by integrating small practices into my day to day life that I show up a better version of myself for people. Um, I, I think about, and I always encourage people to think of it this way. Think about your busy self. Like when you are ripping and running from place to place, you have a to-do list that is a mile long. You have work commitments and home commitments and church commitments and community commitments, all those things. And they're all piling up and you're trying to multitask, right? We live in a world that seems to promote this idea of multitasking as if we actually can do it well. Um Right. We convince ourselves that we can, but think about who you are in those moments. I know for me, I am often um, less attentive. I am less patient. I am less tolerant. I, I know who I am when I am busy me. And so by integrating mindfulness into my daily walk um, and anchoring it to my faith, what I most days show up as my best me. And so there, there's a distinct difference between when best me Robin shows up versus busy me Robin. And so I really, I really strive and try to support others and encourage others to get to that space where it's your best me that is showing up every single day and not your busy me. I love that. I really do. And I really want to encourage my listeners that, you know, if you find yourself just living life i you know, go to restaurants robin and you will see oh, families eating at a table all together but everyone on their phones absolutely it drives me crazy yeah and I, you know you might be finding yourself in that trap or find yourself mm -hmm. just not being present and i hope today has helped you guys to reevaluate that in yourself i want to put uh Robin, you have a website, I believe, where they can go and look at. Yeah, I would encourage them to, to hop over to mindful-momentum.com. Um, it's spelled just like that, but put the dash in between um, to learn more about Mindful Momentum, the engaged leader. Um, so I would encourage them to do that. I would also encourage for those that think that this idea of journaling forward might resonate to, to check out our book, Journey Forward, um, that's co-authored by myself and Nathaniel Turner. Um, I think you'll find it witty and, and reflective all in the same book. There are uh, about 52 different entries, uh, one per week. At, with some reflective prompts and you you call yourself the intentional guy. Nate often just says he's just a guy. So he's an everyday dad and with a whole bunch of other stuff that he does, um, but who uses journaling forward as a way to help him live his best life on purpose. 
Wow. So. Awesome. Well, I look forward to actually reading uh, some of that as yeah. well. So, Robin, thank you so much for being on here today. I'm telling you, I've enjoyed this a lot. I really have. It's been very helpful. Uh, so thank you again for coming on the show today with us. Is there anything you'd like to say before we, we sign off? It's been my pleasure to be here. And I, like I said, I've looked forward to this as I've listened to with other guests. I'm encouraged by your, your story as well as that idea of being intentional. So I just encourage people to take every day mindful of and being present in the moments they're given. Awesome. Well, thank you again. And to my listeners, until next time, just keep being intentional. We'll talk to you later. Thank you.